0: You are listening to The Marketing Funnel Show, episode number 69. Businesses need one thing to stay open, to grow and to thrive. And that thing is customers and sales, right? Okay, maybe it's two things. Yet so many of us make it really, really complicated. Today I've got an excellent sales expert on to talk all about making sales with integrity and ease you're not going to want to miss the value nuggets that Jessica drops in this episode. Welcome to the Marketing Funnel Show. I'm your host, Michelle Evans, and this is the podcast for coaches, experts, and online business owners to learn how to go from simply surviving to sold out using the power of marketing funnels. All right, let's jump into today's show. Well, hello there and welcome back to another great week, another fantastic episode, and another interesting podcast today because I've got an amazing sales expert on who's gonna just break it all down for us and make sales simple. Now, if you've been listening to the podcast for any length of time, you know that there were a few rocky years in my business. So when I first left my corporate job, I stepped out into some corporate contracts and some coaching, but after about six months, those contracts were running out and I had to start figuring out how to sell. And so I had a few bumpy years and I had a product launch that bombed. I joined that mastermind where I was doing all of uh, over a thousand discovery calls to, to people, basically cold calls, the people that I was meeting at all the events. So I went to over 50 events in that mastermind in a nine month period of time and I just wasn't making sales. Because I was making sales harder than it needed to be. And you and I, we know our businesses cannot grow, they cannot thrive, we cannot stay in business if we don't make sales. And sometimes that pressure, especially when I wasn't super clear on who I was, what my message was, what my offer was, who my clients were, or who my audience was, like when all of that was unclear, I, the stakes for making a sale just seemed astronomically high. And, and I just was bringing bad energy to everything. And I wasn't really grounded in what I was doing. And, you know, eventually I figured it out and I'm sure you will too. But along the way, I met people who tried to teach me how to sell in a way that I did not agree with. And so I just didn't do it. Right. Um, and that's why when I met Jessica and I really came across her work, I was really impressed with number one, how simple she made sales. Like it's not all this NLP, you know, come up with all these fabulous persuasion phrases and Formulas and all this stuff. Nope, she is so straightforward and so down to earth. And she has such a track record of success that I knew that I needed to have her on my podcast. So let me introduce you. Wealthy women change the world. And it's Jessica's mission to lead a movement for female business owners who are ready to make a huge impact and generate a huge income for their bank account. Yes, please. Jessica Lorimer launched her business, Smart Leader Cell, in 2014 and rocketed it to a multi-six-figure coaching and consultancies business in less than three years. She was ideally placed to share her experience after a really successful corporate career as one of the industry's highest performing salespeople with a stack of company awards to show for her success. She now teaches her simple 3-step sales system to entrepreneurs who want to learn to sell as individuals with integrity and she helps them rapidly skyrocket their sales success and profit margins. So again, as I um once I met Jessica and we had a chance to talk and really kind of dive into things, I knew that I wanted to have her on because Oftentimes, you know, people build marketing funnels and they launch them and then they end up, you know, with all these sales conversations. So either lots of people come to your webinar or to your event or you're having lots of discovery calls or whatever, and the sales sometimes aren't happening. And a lot of times it's because the marketing funnel itself did its job, right? It laid the groundwork, it got people ready. But when it comes to the sales part, you have to be willing to have to really stick your feet in the ground and have some hard conversations with your audience if it's one person or if it's lots of people and jessica is going to break it down today along with so many other value nuggets so stay tuned because this is a great episode all right well thank you for joining me today jessica i'm so excited to be here thank you for having me yes now you know, you and I have chatted a bit and I've been a guest on your podcast and, um, and I was so so intrigued by you that I was like, you've got to come on mine. Um, but I'd love for you to just give us a little background about your business and kind of how you came to be in this business.
1: Yeah. So I'm a relative business dinosaur in the online space, at least. Um, (laughs) the Botox is making me look really young. I'm joking. I haven't had Botox, not yet, but Maybe, maybe in a few years. Um, So I started my business almost five years ago now. Um, I, prior to that, was in corporate sales. I'd worked in corporate sales for about 13 years. And I was heading up major sales divisions and starting up new sales divisions for major luxury fashion brands around the world. So I was working in Tokyo and New York and Atlanta and some really great places. And then I was diagnosed with chronic illness in 2014, which sucked.
0: Yeah. You're running all over the world at these like to die for places and you come down with this chronic illness.
1: Yeah. So I went to the doctor and they said, if you don't quit your job, you'll be bedridden before you're 35.
0: Oh my gosh. Um,
1: Yeah. I was 24 at the time. So I was like, whoa, <laughs> that's a bit of a kicker. I mean, bear in mind I'm the sort of person that I was drinking tequila. I was working in an environment where passive smoking was totally a thing. And I had never worried about any of this. And then you tell me, oh, you're gonna be bedridden. And I was like, Whoa, right. <laughs> I'm I'm gonna eat all my vegetables. I'm gonna go and work out, I'm gonna do the gym thing. Like, and and it was crazy. I went to my boss and I said, Hey, look, you know, this is Serious, I, you know, I kind of thought I was just a bit tired, but it turns out there's some bigger things going on. And he said, "Well, in this industry, nobody works part time. Good luck." And I was like, "Wow, okay." So I had my three month notice period, Um, and I built my business during that notice period. And by the March, uh, I'd managed to get my business making the same amount as I was making my corporate salary. And I was like, "Wow, this is easy, right?" I came into the online world. Selling, hey, this is how you sell stuff to other people. Um, and it was it was easy while I was working my job, and then I quit my job, and it was really hard because it's so isolating.
0: I am so glad to hear you say that
1: because even as a sales professional
0: and somebody who already had the sales going, yep. that transition was hard because it was really hard for me too.
1: Well, it is hard because you. I think, especially when you come from corporate, you, you almost breathe out a little bit. Like you wake up on the day that you do not have to go into your job and it's like 7am and you go, "Ah, oh, <laughs> I can stay in bed. This is great. And, and then you get up and there's this like haze of, Oh my God, it's freedom lifestyle and I can do whatever I like. And before you know it, three weeks have gone past and you have not changed your pajamas and you're thinking, wow, <laughs> actually bank manager is calling. Oh my God, what did I forget? Suddenly it's the money, right? You forgot to make the sales and everyone does it. I, I think it's one of those things that perhaps when entrepreneurs are planning to leave jobs, they should actually put a, a kind of exit strategy for the job in place, but also a startup strategy for when am I going to get up? When am I going to do my sales activities? What are my KPI is going to be? Um, and so for the, the kind of first three months of my business outside of my job, it was hard. Like I was really having to work. And I'd, you know, when you come into any workplace or any environment, you take on the standards that are around you, right? So I was seeing all these people in Facebook groups being like, oh my God, please be my client. And they were, you know, clamoring for space and they were really stressed about, oh, I don't have any clients. And I got really into that mentality of, oh my God, maybe this won't work. I'm gonna have to sell Tupperware this is, you know, this is not good. I'm going to be like that person who
0: failed. And was it, and was it because you were picking up on that energy of, "Ah, (laughs) there's no clients out here. I don't have any sales. I'm not making, yeah. 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 Yeah, It was
1: that complete panic. And then I sat down at my um, desk one day. I remember I called my mom and she's like the wisest person ever. And, um, I called my mom and I said, I was like crying. I was like, this is so unfair. It's so hard. Like, I left my job and it was so easy and now it's really hard. And my mom said to me, <laughs> she said, why do you think you're so effing special? And I was like, what? Because this is my mom, right? I was expecting her to give me some sympathy. And she went, why? What makes you so special? And I'm like, what? I, I don't understand. She said, You told me that you were leaving your job, that there was this huge opportunity, that all these people were like bazillionaires and they were going out there, they were running these companies, they were doing it on their own terms, they were having a blast. So what makes you so special that you can't do it? Like, what's wrong with you? And I was like, oh, okay. that's not what I wanted, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> but it really kicked me into gear. And, and from that moment onwards, I was like, right, okay, I need to get my crap together. And so I set myself my KPIs and I looked at my business like I would have done any other business had I gone in as a consultant. And it took off from there. And within six months, I'd done the whole six figures in six months thing. And then, you know, we started to scale to multi-six and seven, all this kind of stuff. And it, and it was great, but I, I could have very easily in like month two when I was using one ply toilet paper and eating pot noodles been like, no thanks. Do you know what? I'm just gonna, I'm gonna take a step back and, and just go back into corporate and find something part time. Yeah. Yeah. And I want to thank you for giving us that background. Cause I
0: think it's really important for people to understand that, you know, nobody steps into a super successful business. It takes, it takes failure. And it takes rolling up your sleeve and saying, right, this is what I want
1: and I'm going to figure this out. Yeah, 100%. And I think, I think we need to kind of dismiss this overnight success theory because it's not true for anyone. Like I have a sales background. I was a top biller in multiple countries, in multiple companies, and yet come into my own business, three months, I failed. I sucked. And yeah. it, it's fine. Like I look back at it now and I'm like, well, that made me a better business owner and actually it put it into perspective how much I really wanted it. But had I not gone ahead and actually started taking action and started selling, nothing would have changed. Yeah. You could have just rolled around and felt sorry oh. for yourself. Right. Yeah. So thanks, thanks mom
0: for those, that hard <laughs> love. Now, I want to get into some specifics, but you've said a couple times now KPIs. I know what they are coming from corporate, but not everybody might know what they are. So can you just tell us the the short version of what that is?
1: Yeah. So a KPI is a key performance indicator, and it basically is a list of tasks that you do to predict how well you will perform. So for example, if you know that you close two in four sales calls, you've got a close rate of 50%. So if you want 10 clients, you're going to have to do 20 sales calls to get 10 clients. And you can do that wherever in your business. You can do it with your email list and like growth. You can do it with sales call conversions. You can do it with how many people you need to proactively outreach to in order to get them on the phone in the first place. But once you know those numbers, it's so much easier to be able to scale anything and improve on them.
0: Yeah, because I mean, an old business adage that I'm sure you heard as well is what gets measured gets improved. Right. And if you don't, if you don't know what your goals are, if you don't know what it takes to get those goals. uh, And you know, I, I had somebody recently and I, all the love to them. (laughs) I'm not going to use their name, but you know, they're making like $2,000 a month and their goal is to get to 20. And I said, okay, great. Like, that's possible for sure. Um, Let's talk a little bit about what that means. Had no idea about close rates, had no idea about opt-in rates, had no idea about really anything. It was just more like a wish, Mm -hmm. uh, a dream instead of a plan. And I said, that's that's great. Like, we can work with that if you know that that's where you want to go. Um, and so I know you've probably come across that as well, where people see these folks saying, yeah, I have my $25,000 a month. And they're like, I want that too. Like I, I do that same thing. I can do that too. But there are steps that you need to take to get in place so that you know what it takes to get there. Right?
1: Yeah. A hundred percent. I think the most dangerous thing I, I see in any business online, offline, wherever is accidental success. And and people who are accidentally successful preaching to other people, this is how you should grow your business, right? Because when we don't measure our numbers and we don't know how our metrics work, in challenging economical climates, like now, right? Now is not an easy time to be a business owner. It's not an easy time to be a salesperson. It's great for people who are good at their job, at delivery, at selling, at marketing, because those people rise to the top. But everyone else is is going to struggle, and so if we don't know the metrics, then we can't actually understand how our business is going to grow to a certain goal. And moreover, you have to also look at you know, with these twenty five thousand dollars months or fifty k months or whatever, how much did that person spend to get there? Because if you <laughs> <Thank> spend,
0: you. <laughs> yes, right. Thank you. Let's <laughs> let's just clear this up. Like, if you spend thirty thousand dollars and you make twenty five, you actually lost five. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. It's all
1: about net profit, baby. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's profit, not revenue. Um, yeah. Okay, so, so let's talk sales here because I know yeah. it's what you're amazing at, right? And it's something that you've loved for a long time, I would imagine. You did it in your corporate job. You're doing it in your business. So clearly yeah. it's something mm-hmm. that has your heart. And you know, you know my story and the audience knows my story that I, I really struggled. For the first few years in in making sales and like i had some success but it wasn't ever consistent because i would get like nervous and weird about stuff but or i'd listen to people who were making these big promises and i'd feel like i need to do that too but then it was really out of alignment with me Mm -hmm. and so you know i just i don't like the sell the moon and deliver a rock mentality that people have out there where they're just puffing things up so big. And then they're like, and it's only $9,995. Like it's such a deal. And it just, to me, it really always felt really sleazy. And I know that you do not do that. I know that you are really all about um, selling with integrity. And so I would love for you to talk about what that means of selling with integrity.
1: So for me selling with integrity means making good money. And good money from the perspective of I'm able to sleep at night and pay my bills and enjoy the lifestyle that I want to enjoy. And that's what good money is. When you're making money and you are not sleeping at night or you're not making the money that you deserve and it's not allowing you to have the lifestyle you want, that's bad money because either you're not delivering something that you should be delivering or can actually deliver or You're not running your business in a way that's sustainable for you. And the the quickest way to destroy your business is to get resentful of your business and then just not ever sell because you're like, I don't want to work with tons of clients. I'm getting paid a pittance. This is really frustrating. Or to not be able to deliver on a promise that you've made. You know, if you say to somebody, I can help you go from making nothing to 10K and you can't, you're going to have a problem because that's going to get out reputation matters. And, and, you know, I don't think we take it so seriously in the online space because everyone's like, well, there are 7 billion people in the world and, you know, 90% of them are on Facebook and they're not all going to know me, but it's really, really important, you know, and selling with integrity is about making good money. And, and part of making good money is being transparent with people and saying, yes, this is a good fit for you or no, it isn't. And you'd be better off with something else.
0: Yeah, I, I love that. And I, it took me, like I used to be afraid to say that to people and be like, yeah. you know, I, like I would say yes. Not that I would overpromise. I would never say yes to something I couldn't do. But I would be doing things that I didn't really want to do. Um, and now I'm really clear on this is who I help. And these are the problems that I help solve. Anything else, I probably have somebody great I can refer you to. And I have no problem doing that. And people love that because they're like, thank you for that.
1: Yeah. And they come back. Like, that's yeah. the thing. If, you, if you're honest with somebody and say, hey, look, you know, you're not right where I need you to be right now. But in six months after doing these things, you probably will be in six months time, they're banging down your door because they're like, oh, well, you've actually told me the truth. Thank you. I appreciate it. And they'll refer you. They'll tell everybody about you because they appreciate the honesty because honesty is rare. Like, you know, when we think about sales, we always think of, you know, sleazy car salesmen and Mm -hmm. people who sell you stuff that you don't need. And, you know, people always come to me and they use the word convince. Oh, I I don't want to have to convince people. I don't want to have to force people. I don't want to have to manipulate them. And that's not what sales is. It gets a bad rap because so many people do it badly. But in essence, sales is about helping your prospective buyer make a decision and make the best decision for them in a defined period of time, right? So on a sales call, you have 30 minutes to help that person make a decision. And you do that by helping them make the most informed decision that they can make. So yes, you take details about what their problems are, and yes, you talk to them about how you could potentially solve it. But if you can't solve it, or if there's a better solution that you don't provide, Equally, it's your responsibility to tell them that too, because, you know, if, if you, if you're taking sales as being, I don't want to make it sleazy, you have to make it transparent. You have to give that person an informed conversation.
0: Yeah. And, and it really, for me, it really came down to, there are plenty of people out there who have the problem that I'm set up to solve. I, this person in front of me doesn't have that problem and it's okay to let them go and to make room for somebody else that does have that problem. And it's funny that you say that, that they'll come back later. Cause I recently in, in uh, September, I had a client reach out uh, or I had a new client reach out to me who I had talked to like 18 months before. And I had said, you're not ready for me. Here's what's, here's what needs to happen for you to be ready to work with me. And she went off and she did that work. And then she came back and she's like, I'm ready now. And I really want to do this. And it's just a really different, um, it builds trust for sure. But it helps me, it helps me focus the work that I do so that I can give the most to each of my clients instead of being like willy nilly all over the place with all sorts of different things that I'm doing, right?
1: And it makes it easier to sell. Because yes. I would say to people, like, people want to buy from a specialist. If I'm going to go and have heart surgery, I don't want the guy who just did my Lasik to be like, I'll, I'll just crack open your chest too, like two for one. I want the guy who has specialized for 10 years plus learning how to do it properly so that I know I've got the best chance possible. And that's how your customers feel. You are you know, if, if you're trying to sell everything to everyone and you're always diluting what you sell and you're always trying to sell everything, in the end, nobody buys from you because you aren't the specialist and because it makes it harder for them to believe that you are the best person to get them the result. Whereas if you're the person who says, I am the marketing expert for hospitality owners well, that's pretty specific. You know, you've got to understand that industry. They automatically understand that you've got some credibility and authority in that space and you've got a bunch of testimonials to show for it. It makes a big difference and you don't have to sell because you automatically come from that place of power of you know what you're doing. And people are happy to pay you
0: more. Yes. Like they're not necessarily price shopping. What they're shopping for is somebody who
1: gets them and can help them get there faster. Exactly, and this is the thing. Sales is about the transformation. What can you help people achieve in the most efficient and effective way? And the quicker you can help them achieve it, and the easier it is, the more you'll get paid. Mm-hmm. And and that's that's the way it is. If you can fix somebody's major problem in an hour, you're gonna get much or paid much more than somebody who can fix it, but it's gonna take eight or nine months
0: plus a lot of their time and yeah. effort and yeah for sure okay so let's break this down a little bit more can you help me under or help break down a simple sales skill that yeah. maybe somebody newer or somebody that hasn't had a lot of success in selling really needs to master in order to show that they can solve that problem
1: the biggest skill in selling is <laughs> being lazy right you've got to be lazy I love to it. i've got it <laughs> yeah i was like i have this in space <laughs> um it's it's one of those things so sales is a funny thing the more panicked you are about it the harder it becomes so i always say to people that you've got to be lazy you've got to relax because sales is about listening it's not about you doing anything because when you do things that's when we kind of err into this world of like persuasion and convincing and manipulating and nobody feels good about that and it, it lessens your chances of actually making the sale but being a good listener and listening actively and being able to summarize to your prospective buyer okay well this is what you've just said your problems are is that correct yes okay and so if you have those problems you must be feeling like that is that correct Yes. The more yeses you get, the more confident this person is that you are a listening, which is an obvious, but B can actually solve that issue. Because if you can listen to somebody and then demonstrate that you understand how they're feeling, that you empathise with how they're feeling, and that you can solve that issue, job done. But like you don't have to sell the anything. They'll say to you, "Oh my goodness, yes, that's exactly how I feel." Do you know how I can fix it? And you'll go, oh, well, I have this, you know, that, that's how I usually fix it with other clients who feel like you. Great. How much is it? This is your price. Great. Let's go. Because people want their problem solved. They don't want you to, you know, whack out 10 bonuses and, oh, you know, if you'd have come to me yesterday, it would have been a hundred thousand dollars, but today you can have it for a hundred, you know, that's and not what people gross. are looking for. Yeah, oh, It's grim. You know, we we are in an industry where, you know, two or three years ago, that was the norm. You'd go to those um, big conferences and everyone would be on the stage (laughs) like, oh my God, yesterday, this is $5,000. But today, because you're in this room, if you screech to the back right now, you're going to get it for 97 and all these tens of bonuses. And that's a concern because if people are having to buy what you offer based on all of the bonuses you're throwing in, well, chances are your main product isn't that good. Or you're not that confident in it, and that doesn't say to a client, "I should buy this."
0: Mm, that's interesting, um, I and I love that. And so, so let's talk audience and offers because mm. it's really important. And you know, I've been in those conference rooms. In fact, I wrote a few blog posts about it about how the like mm-hmm. <laughs> a guru who cheated me out of nine hundred ninety-seven dollars. It <laughs> really changed my life because it opened my eyes to like, how um, intoxicating that can be, but then how much I really don't respect that person anymore because of what happened in that room. Um, so let's talk about that because you're obviously not going to be up on stage you know, taking us from $25,000 product down to nine ninety seven dollars or whatever. So no. let's talk audience and offer
1: so sales is um, and this is why I think sales gets such a bad rap. sales is about power. And so uh, one of the ways that sales is often described is the weaker person will always take the offer, right and And that is how sales conversations were taught in the early two thousands um, was if you want to win more sales, be the dominant personality in the room because typically, When you are the dominant personality, you're the one that's got the high energy, you're talking, you're cutting in on people, you're disruptive. And actually there is something to that that makes other people go, oh my God, that person's a leader. I look at those people, I'm like, oh my God, that person is a complete twonk. Like, (laughs) I just don't want to be around them. (laughs) I like Um, that word, twonk. (laughs) There were so many others that I could have gone with, but hey... (laughs) Um, and and so you know we we get taught that all the time, and, and the reality is, and, and you teach this, right? Sales is about getting the right traffic in front of the right offer. And so when we're not in the room on the stage, and we're effectively competing with all the other people in the room to have our offers in front of them, it's not about competing at a price level or a bonuses level, because the more you chuck in, the more underconfident you are. Oh, I don't believe in my main product. So here, have this massive discount, have all these bonuses. And there comes a point where you can't give any more, right? You, you have no more bonuses left to give. If you give any more discount, you make no profit and it becomes unfeasible. Whereas if you are somebody who has worked through the process and you've done the right market research with the right ideal clients in mind, and you've asked them questions about, What are you currently struggling with? What is your biggest pain point? Where do you feel the obstacles are? What what goal do you want to hit? Then guess what? You can create an offer that exactly matches those people's needs. So when it comes to selling it, instead of ramming everything you possibly can into one offer, you create an offer that is super, super specific, like laser focused on this one person and their problem only it's a group of people and you go out to that group of people and say, Hey, (laughs) you remember that problem you told me about? Well, guess what? I've I've got the solution. This is exactly what it's going to cover. This is the transformation you're going to get. These are the obstacles it's going to get you past. And everyone goes, wow, that person listened. They've got the solution. I'm going to go and buy it. It's that easy. You know, you shouldn't ever be competing on what guest experts can I throw in, what bonus packages, how much discount? Because the truth is that people don't shop on price. You know, 98% of the time, this is a Harvard Business Review stat, so I can't claim it as my own as much as I'd love to. Um, 98% of people do not buy on price. And so when when people give you the money objection, 98% of people, it's not about the money. It's two other things, right? right?
0: It feels like it's in the it's the money in the moment because that is the easy thing to say. It's too much. It's an easy thing to just throw up and stop the conversation.
1: Exactly. But the, the reality is it's either they don't believe in you and the product or service that you're offering them or, and this is the more usual one, they don't believe in themselves enough to do the work to get the results that they want. And so actually... You know, when we, when we always get this, oh, but the money, instead of trying to go back to people and use, <laughs> I hated this one, but a few years ago, this went around where people go, Well, if your kid was sick, would you find the money to oh. pay for them to be better? Um, uh-huh. <laughs> I just, I just want to scrub myself with salt. Like, I just don't understand why people would say that. But it was really popular a few years ago and it didn't work unsurprisingly because it made people feel. A, defensive, B, repulsed, C, a whole list of other adjectives that nobody wants to, to hear about. But if you turn around to somebody and say, hey, um, I completely appreciate, like money might be the thing for you right now, but we've had a really open and honest conversation about what your needs are, and I'd really appreciate it if we could continue to be open and honest with one another. Is this really about the money? Or is there something else that I haven't reassured you on? or a question that you haven't asked yet that you need to know the answer to that would help you make this decision?
0: Oh, God. Okay, so let's just pause right there. (laughs) Because first of all, that's you being super confident in what you have to offer and the transformation that you can help them get, right? This is not you being puffery. This is not you persuading. This is you saying, look, you told me this, you have this issue. That's exactly what I solve. I can help you get that transformation. And you're telling me it's money. Is it really the money that right there is golden? Just being able to be that confident and natural, like that's a natural
1: question to ask. And transparent, right? Because the thing is, everyone is always looking at you as a salesperson to be like, how are they trying to trick me? I'm not trying to trick you because do you know what? If you turn around and you say, no, it really is money. I'm going to go, okay, cool. Then that's fine. Here's a link to a blog. Here's a link to a podcast episode or something Mm -hmm. that might help you get on the first step. Let me know when you're ready to move forward. And that's it. There's no hard sell. I can't hard sell them because they don't have any money. Like, what am I going to do? Take a kidney? You know, it's it's not going to happen. But if they come back and they go, oh, well actually, it's funny you mentioned that, but you know, I worked with a sales coach before and I didn't get great results and I'm just, I don't want that to be the same experience. Then you can open that conversation and find out, well, why didn't it work? What happened? What could we do differently? Perhaps you needed less support, more support, a bit more accountability. You know, Are you gonna get that here? Or can we tailor something around you? Sales is a, is a conversation and that's why the listening is so important. It's listening to what people are not saying.
0: You know, the money
1: is is only the lower end of the market compete on price. You know, that, that really is the case. It's so true because, well,
0: we can talk about price a little more because it's always a question I get from people is how do you price stuff? Right. Um, but it's true in that you first have to be super, in fact, what I always tell my clients is. Do not sell something that you get sick feeling in your stomach when you say the price. If you get nervous and awkward and you feel sick to your stomach, the pricing's off. But even more than that, I think... um, one other thing I really want to underline is that you've, you've done the foundational work, which is what I call it. Yeah. You know the problems, you know um, the transformation people want, and you know what they come up against. So there's not really a surprise that somebody can bring to this conversation. It's something that you deal with all the time, right? Exactly. And one thing that I've seen with people is that they're not, they're not grounded enough in who they're talking to. And so every sales conversation in the moment kind of feels like you're fishing for what's that thing. I know that when I was in that mastermind um, and I was doing all those cold calls, that's how I felt It's like, I was always trying to fish for where's that. And it just didn't work because I wasn't grounded in what I did first.
1: It's, um, it's really hard, I think, because we put a lot of pressure on ourselves because everyone's like, oh my God, if I... If I need to sell something, I have to know everything. One of my clients said this to me the other day. She's like, Oh, I'm doing all this stuff and I know so much more than I did like two years ago. But now I'm doing all this other stuff and I'm really unhappy. And I was like, Well, yeah, because you're not doing the stuff you love anymore. Just because you know a ton more stuff doesn't mean you should be selling that stuff. Because that stuff might not be the thing that's really interesting to you, or that you actually get the best results on, or there there are lots of different reasons around it. And I think we put so much pressure on ourselves not to hard sell, but we put ourselves in situations where we have to, because the reality is if we don't know enough about our ideal client, you're always going to be chasing that next one. And so the call is always going to have that air of desperation and, oh my goodness, my mortgage needs paying. And it's not necessarily your fault, but a solid amount of market research and actually sitting down and doing an empathy map for your ideal clients would do you more favors than going out and just making more blind calls. Mm, I love it. So how do you, um, how,
0: how do you help people get started with doing that research, especially if they haven't really, like if they don't have a big audience?
1: So you don't, I don't think you need a big audience. I think ask questions. Right, but this is the thing, you know. Everyone says, "Oh, you need like ten thousand people on the email list." And I'm just like, "Mm, no. Um, Because they could be
0: ten thousand the wrong people if you don't do it right.
1: (laughs) I remember starting up my first group program on an email list of two hundred and thirty-seven people. I didn't have a Facebook group. I didn't have anything. And everyone said, yes." (laughs) Everyone said to me, "You, you shouldn't have been able to do that." And they're all like sat there with their calculators, going, "The statistics say." And I'm like, "Oh my god!" Like seriously have good conversations you know so if you don't have a massive audience but you have some people don't discount them you know the worst thing you can can do is go i've only got 10 people on my email list i'm just not going to email them until i get 500. okay (laughs) well do you think what do you think is going to happen when you do they're all going to unsubscribe because they're like who is this person why are they emailing me you know if you have anyone That you can talk to, and and believe me, you can go into a Facebook group tomorrow, you can go on Twitter tomorrow, you can go on any social media platform now and say, Hey, I'm willing to give someone 15 minutes of my time to help them with a specific problem. If you'll just give me 15 minutes of your time to tell me what the problem is and how it makes you feel, yeah, done.
0: It can be that simple,
1: yeah. Yeah. You can go into a Facebook group. You can ask a question, Hey, you know, what's your biggest problem when it comes to list building a B or C and always give them that frame. Because if you just go, Oh, what's your biggest problem in your business right now? People are going to come at you with things that there's no way in hell you can solve. Right. (laughs) But if you, if you frame it around the things that you're good at, if you frame it around, Oh, are you really struggling with funnels? Are you really struggling with list building? Are you really struggling with being visible? People will give you those answers and then that's useful feedback. You don't even have to know the people, but it's useful feedback. As long as you frame the question, you know, are you a female business owner between this age and this age? Who's been in business this long? Who's making around this kind of money? What is your biggest problem with X? Yes. And that's all you need to do.
0: Yeah. You don't need to know what podcasts they're listening to, what cars they drive, where they go on vacation. (sighs) I I love your face in this because that's how I feel you need to know their problem what that problem costs them and what Mm. it is they really want and what they think that what they really want will get them right if you know those things you can connect so much better
1: yeah and you also you can't be afraid of telling them what the consequences are if they don't do the thing Right. Let's, uh, you know, I think we talk about transparency and everyone's like, yeah, I love transparency when it means I get to be like, right. Is it really about the money? But we don't like transparency when we have to challenge someone and be like, "Mm, okay, so you don't have to buy this thing and that is cool. But I want to make you aware that as this is an informed decision, if you don't, the consequences of your actions are this. In six months time, you might not have the business you want. You still won't have grown the list that you want if you continue in the same way that you are now. And we know that to be true because this is this is your pattern. Like this is what's happened to now and nothing has changed. So I'm absolutely fine if you don't want to work with me. I'm absolutely fine if you want to work with somebody else or you want to do something else. But I just want to remind you that this problem is not going to change unless you do something to solve it. Mm.
0: And that, so I could see how that would be uncomfortable for people for sure. Um, but it's also really valuable, especially if you have that trust already established where you're like, I'm not, I'm not trying to force you into anything, but let's just be honest. Habits are really hard to break. Yeah. This is a habit that you've been running your business or doing whatever, eating like this, exercising like this, like whatever it is you sell And without making a commitment and a drastic change, it's not going to change. We know that.
1: And and this is the thing I always say to people on on discovery calls with me, I'm like, look, you don't have to work with me. I don't really mind if you do or you don't. But if you want to achieve the goal that you say you want to achieve, then regardless of who you find that is the best fit for you, I want you to fix this problem. Because if you don't, these are the consequences that you will experience.
0: Mm.
1: And that's it. And do do people uh, do people appreciate it when you say that to yeah. them? Yeah. I think I've never had a bad response to it. Like I've never and I've done a lot <laughs> of calls. And this is something I used to say to people in corporate as well. And sometimes they go, "Well, I still don't want to hire you." And I'd be like, "That's fine. Like I really don't mind. I'm not attached to you hiring me or not. What I am attached to is you solving that problem because what i don't want to happen is in 6 months time to have the same conversation with you and you to go oh my goodness well it still hasn't worked and i'm still in this really bad place that's not what anyone wants right you know there there are people who started businesses at the same time as me who aren't here anymore yeah they weren't here after a year they weren't here after 2 years and i used to think oh where have they gone and i'd look up on facebook because a bit of a stalker and i'd be like oh they went back to work oh okay and they just couldn't have that conversation with themselves about well what do i actually need to change to achieve the results that i want and do i want the results more than i want the discomfort of this conversation
0: Mm. and the discomfort of actually going through on the change
1: what Oh, this is such good
0: stuff. (laughs) And, and this is why I wanted to have you on because marketing and sales, they definitely pair up with each other, but they are really different in how we approach things. And I wanted my audience to get your insights because understanding sort of how to really engage with people one-on-one or on a webinar or at an event. I know you do them all. Um, it's really important to, first of all, be really clear on what are those conversations you're going to have, right?
1: Yeah. yeah, 100%. And I think I always say to people, like, sales and marketing cannot survive without each other. They are, you know, just like fire can't exist without oxygen. Mm-hmm. You cannot have one without the offer because the whole premise of a successful sale is that you have to have traffic, you have to have an offer, and you have to be able to communicate with that person in the right way. I think where people get confused is when they blame the marketer for not making the sale. right? And that really frustrates me because I always feel really sorry for marketers, especially ones who do Facebook ads because everyone's like, why did my Facebook ad not make me money? And I'm like, it's not the job of the Facebook ad to make money. The job of the Facebook ad is to get people and to get eyes, right? Eyes on your offer. So if your offer isn't right for those eyes, Well, do you know what? That's on you as a salesperson. Because as a salesperson, it's your job to go, right? Okay, well, now I've got these eyes. I need to communicate with them in a way that makes them understand and start the conversation with me about going and making the change and buying the thing. That's not the fault of the marketer, right? They've done everything right. They've got the person to the point that they are on your list, that they're right there for you to communicate with them. If you don't, well, that's not their problem.
0: Yeah, as somebody who does Facebook ads, but only for people with marketing funnels, that (laughs) I have that conversation with people all the time, like I can't do your sales calls for
1: you. No, 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 and and this is the thing, you know, there have been instances over the years where people are like, but I spent a thousand dollars on Facebook ads and I didn't even get one client, and I'm like, great, well, how many sales calls did you do? Oh, 100, right, well, it wasn't your marketer's fault, it was yours. (laughs) you couldn't close the sale. You know, it is harsh. It's a harsh reality. That's, I, I think that's also one of the differences between marketing and sales. Salespeople, inherently, we have to be a lot more blunt because we have to be very reactive to what's going on in front of us at one time. And we don't have the energy to kind of spend on 10 or 15 people who are still like, oh, well, I'm gonna maybe think about this and think about that. Our job is to help them get to a decision. Whereas marketing is all about the attraction. It's that really nice phase of, you know, dating where it's like, oh, we dress up and we go to nice places and we, you know, we're still figuring things out. Sales is that time you catch your boyfriend in the toilet with the door open for the first time. You're like, oh my god, why is this happening?
0: <laughs> it's
1: so. That is such a good analogy. It's
0: like, yeah, the attraction phase versus yeah. the it let's get real phase. Like, are yeah. we going to do this or not?
1: <laughs> exactly, and that's the thing. And and I think you know it is hard. It's it's hard. Both both elements of, of sales and marketing, both of them are incredibly tough. But I think you know especially when we're running our own business, you have to be the salesperson and the marketer and everyone prefers being the marketer because it's nicer. Like right, you get to be a nicer person. You get to, you know, do things that are inherently, they look prettier and they're more fun. I would even prefer to be the marketer. But unfortunately if you don't add in the sales bit and you don't make any money, you don't get to play at being the marketer for very long. And And that's, mm that's the thing. And, and so, you know, when people are scared about doing sales calls or selling from the stage or being on the webinar and doing the pitch, I think you've got to start thinking less about, oh my goodness, I'm so scared because really it's not about you. It's nothing to do with you. Sales is all about the person on the other end. And it's about how can I best let them know how I can serve them or how I can provide a solution to their problem. And if I don't do that well, if I don't communicate that well, I'm actually being really selfish. Mm -hmm. Because think about it, if if you're walking down the street and someone runs out in front of a bus, you wouldn't just sit there and be like, oh, excuse me, (laughs) there's a bus. You might not have seen it. You'd, You'd be diving in. You'd be pushing them out of the way because you don't want them to get hurt. But in your business, well, nobody's doing that. They're just letting people get run over effectively by multiple cars because they don't want to be embarrassed or rejected or face any kind of fears around having to say to somebody, yes, I can solve your problem. However, it's going to cost you this.
0: Oh, that is such a good, just a great place to to stop because I really want to invite people, excuse me, to think about that. Like, are people getting in front of you and are you being nice, like standing on the sidewalk saying, excuse me, there's a bus <laughs> coming? Or are you jumping in and saying, I'm going to help you and grabbing their arm and pulling them towards you, right? Exactly. Um, and not that we're forcing anybody to do anything, but sometimes you need to shake things up and be like, hey you have this problem. You said you have this goal. Let's talk about working together. And so I really want to invite people to check out your podcast because you have so many nuggets of goodness, but also can you just let people know where they can find more of you? Because this is just the start, right? (laughs) Just the start of a, a love affair with sales that we didn't even know that we could have
1: you know, if you're not terrified by the bluntness, then, uh, you can absolutely check out the podcast. It's the best place to find me. Um, I tend to be very anti social media. I'm terrible on that. Um, but if you are looking for more sales advice, you can check out the website. It's smartleaderssell.com and that's got all of the podcast episodes on there and a bunch of other free stuff that you can go and just download and and look at to your heart's content.
0: Yeah. And I, I have to say just as a testimonial, I've (laughs) gone through and I've listened to a lot of them and They're great. (laughs) Like you just break sales down into really, just like you did here, into really doable things that say, "All right, right. If I want to stay in business, the number one thing I need is to make sales because no business can stay in business without money coming in." So,
1: a hundred percent, and equally, no business can stay in business without customers. So, you know, like we said all along, this is about marketing and sales. It's you know, you you can't have one without the other. That is so true.
0: So I'll link up to your website and the podcast and all that stuff uh, on today's show notes. And I really encourage all of you to go check Jessica out and thank you so much for coming on. This was such a great conversation. Thank you for having me. It's been amazing. Okay. I hope that you got as much out of that conversation as I did. I know like I interviewed Jessica and then I went back and I listened to this interview again already. And I'll listen to the podcast when it comes out again, because She dropped so many valuable nuggets there. And I hope that you got a lot out of it as well. And I'd love to hear what comes up for you. Like, what are you going to do as a result of this? How are you going to change up how you have sales conversations? You know, just all that kind of stuff. So hit me up on social media or you can just email me, michelle at michellelevans.com. I love to hear from listeners just like you so that together we can create a podcast that's valuable, that's helpful, and that gets you on the road to the marketing insights you want to grow your business. And as you are listening to this, did you think of someone who is frustrated by their sales, frustrated trying to figure out how do I you know, uh, have the right conversation with people when they're in front of me? How do I close the sale without feeling sleazy or slimy or yucky? How do I, you know, sell with integrity? So if you know somebody like that, would you do both of us a big favor and share this episode with them? It's so easy to do from whatever podcatcher you're listening to, or you can just share the URL for today's show, which is themarketingfunnelshow.com forward slash 69. And your friend can listen right there on their computer. Also, I have a big favor to ask. We are at about 70 reviews, maybe slightly more by the time this comes out. And I would love so much to get over 100 because it just shows iTunes that this is a show that you value and that you, or I should say Apple Podcasts, I guess, that it's a show that you value and that you get a lot out of. So if you could do me a huge favor, if you could just go in on the podcasting app that you're listening on and leave a quick rating and review, I would so appreciate it. I only ever really see the ones that are on Apple Podcasts, aka iTunes. I I always call it iTunes still, and I know I'm not supposed to, but... Um, but if you do it on somewhere else, will you just let me know, um, so that I can give you a shout out? I would really, really appreciate it. And it just takes a few minutes. Like you can just go in there and quickly, you know, write a rating and a review. I know I recently did one for a, for another podcast that I listened to and it literally took me less than three minutes. So I would really appreciate it if you would do that. All right, I hope that you have an amazing week and I will see you back here next week, same time, same place on another great episode of the Marketing Funnel Show. See you then.